This episode of Intergalactic Interviews is brought to you in part by Dressing Lice Wounds Clothing Company. DressingLiceWounds.BigCartel.com. Raw, original streetwear. New line coming fall 2015. Welcome to Intergalactic Interviews, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 68, I believe. I am Jamie McDonald, some of you call me MD, but your real name is Jamie. Well, it is, and today I'm sitting here with uh, two guys that uh, have never been involved in the media whatsoever. This is their first exclusive, never have ever done any mic time, camera time, Virgins. never <laughs> never had any type of uh, uh, look whatsoever on camera. Of course, I'm being facetious because we're sitting here with uh, politician, writer, activist, Dana Larson, and we're sitting here as well with uh, a man of uh, recent news and and very important uh, to the culture of Canada, someone who stands up for what's right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll please give it up for both these guys, we're here with Bert Easterbrook and Dana Larson. Yeah. How you guys doing? Boom Shiva, doing well. Good Good. to have it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Uh, So I just want to say, like, first of all, uh, thanks for coming coming down to do the show uh obviously in the intro i was saying that you guys haven't done any media but you guys have probably done more media individually uh than i i think maybe almost anyone we've had on the show before uh recently there were events on canada day that uh have kind of struck a chord internationally uh, as well as uh, domestically um, with what is taking place in our fair city here in Vancouver and uh, with marijuana culture reform. Uh, obviously, without uh, giving way to like how we all feel, which is obviously in support of Bert here, but um, the scenario for what it is, let's just have it come from the man himself. Should we have the very, very first breakdown here on the podcast? Let's hear it right from here. Sir? Bert, how you doing today? Pretty good. Uh, I know uh, you've had a, a pretty tough week. Why don't you tell us why it's been tough? Uh, well, uh, this year at Cannabis Day, uh, the city had decided to uh, try and put a little bit of a kibosh on things compared to normal. Um, considering that we've made such a good development over the last 19 years and uh, the political aspect of it and just really getting a lot of respect for you know what we can do for harm reduction medicine and even just recreation so it's like uh, so cannabis day yep. takes place uh, traditionally on Canada day yep uh, and we also have 420 and the global marijuana March as well too yes right and th- these are events that take place how many years now can uh, uh, like I'll, I'll this, let this, 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 this would have been about the 20th year for the cannabis day and been about the same for the 420 rallies and uh you know i wasn't there for the altercation and the thing that happened i can tell you more about the advanced meetings we had with the city and the conversation we had and what we expected was going to be going on that day yeah uh you know they were uh we've been doing these events for a long time and 420 is a really massive event now and cannabis day is the little brother a smaller event compared to the other Mm -hmm. one but both of them have grown every year and really started off as sort of a rally and a smoke in and then we started creating a safe space for dealing people started setting up tables and they kind of evolved into a big marijuana farmers market which Mm -hmm. I would see is still an act of civil disobedience and a protest and getting out there breaking the laws we disagree with in an open way and Uh, also helping create a model that you know is copacetic 
product for the people here too, right? So, yeah, well, it shows you can true, gather yeah. a lot of people and use a lot of ganja and nothing mm-hmm. bad really happens and a lot of good things happen. And uh, so the city had t- came to us three weeks before Cannabis Day this year and said, we want you to move the event. And we're not against moving the event. I think 420 should be moved from the art gallery, but it's a complicated process and not something that you can do three weeks before the event starts. And so yeah, we had, and then they said, oh, we're going to have a big fence around the art gallery anyway, so you can't have your event there. And <laughs> It's true, there was a fence there. All the fence was gone yeah, the next, next day, day in time for yeah. the Thai festival, so that was a little rough. But but we said, okay, we're going to scale it down. We're not going to have a stage. We're going to give all the money back we've taken for booths. We don't make a profit on these events. The money we take for booths helps pay for the safety things we have, the right. toilets we yeah. bring in, the cleanup, and the, the stage, amenities get better and better every year, and all so, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. and uh, and it's definitely grown. But when you get that many people coming down, you need something for them to do, and you need to have safety precautions and bathrooms and all these things. But we scaled the way down at the city's request and we had meetings and I thought we'd all agreed that we weren't going to really hold the kind of farmer's market thing. It was more beginning of a protest and a bit of a smoke-in, and, and we would do some stuff. But but when they got there and said, I wasn't there for this, Bert maybe explain it better, but there was mm-hmm. a big police presence down there. A lot of police with. were there yeah, like, uh, right. on the morning of the event. Yeah, as soon and as you got uh, there, I'll yeah. let you kind of talk about that. But I mean, that that's where we were. So we, we, we expected the city was going to be happy with our event. We talked about a meeting with them after this to plan out next year's 420 right. and next year's Cannabis Day better and see if we can find a better spot to host it in and all this stuff. But we thought things were going to be copacetic with our smaller event on uh, Cannabis Day. But then in the morning, there was a lot of cops down there. Now, how early was their police presence on Canada Day? Like, how early? Uh, well, they were definitely there long before I got there. And when did that, you get there? Uh, I got there for about 8 o'clock. 8, 8, 8 o'clock, yeah. And I had expected to get there for at least 6, but I was thinking, eh, there's probably not going to be uh, enough people there to warrant it. So uh, ended up there for 8 o'clock. And yeah, there was a, a decent amount of uh, police presence for sure. So... It's not like Third Watch decided, like, hey, let's go crack some heads in at the gallery. This is obviously the city uh, planned yeah, to, yeah. to be there um, in presence in the morning. It was really weird, man. Like, uh, I'm sure Dana can attest to this, that, you know, we are used to having, you know, law enforcement there, you know, in whatever reasonable numbers, right? Mm-hmm. We are used to them either being on the perimeter or when they do come through the crowd that they're actually very respectful. And you can tell, you know, the officers have gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, they're just looking for trouble. Trouble, right beyond that they know that we're self-regulatory and that you know we actually will come to them if we need help right but right this year was so different as soon as we got there there was already uh, 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 city works members and whatnot uh, tr- kind of trying to like act tough or whatever uh, still being reasonable what uh, when it came to like really talking to them but you could tell somebody had told them to kind of push an issue because they're getting a little bit more aggressive than normal same with the police and uh, city workers now now would this be like people from the museum like the art gallery no no no, no, no. actually like um, uh, city workers right like uh, during occupy they oh, even okay. have yeah, yeah city employees or whatever from whatever i guess engineering or whatever department come down and so just not bylaw people no but, no just to, i guess to act as like uh, observer or whatever for right, the city okay. I, I'm not too sure the the function but um, you know the the even the constables when they arrived or whatever and started talking to us is very 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 bossy right and it's like okay guys you do realize that this is a protest right uh, with what we've done in the past things have gone very smoothly right and they're trying to say uh, no vendors no tents none of this sort of stuff and it's like you do realize that is part of the protest mm-hmm. this is gonna happen but we are gonna do everything that we can to at least make 
make sure that we're not going to block fire exits and be as com- as accommodating as possible as per you know our usual behavior right when uh, the individuals at the art gallery at their little bistro even said you know we you do realize that we're going to need to have this open and we're like okay absolutely and when uh, the dj booth and whatnot accidentally got set up in their entranceway absolutely we moved it as soon as possible because we don't need to alienate those people that you know are basically in the building surrounding us we're trying to be as you know copacetic with uh uh, the rest of the city as possible right Mm. but it only becomes a protest right when we don't get to uh fulfill our fundamental rights to either medicate or just feel well right so that's when when they dig in their heels right the the situation blossoms everything has a natural and opposite reaction to any action right right and for the the benefit and uh how far we've come in the last few years right it really just seemed backwards all of a sudden them digging in their heels just bad energy but it was just straight up bill c51 sort of stuff where we're like okay we're seeing video camera put in our faces as soon as we come onto the the premises right they were uh, the police were videotaping you directly uh everybody directly basically yeah it was uh the same as basically when the Olympics had come through and uh, there was any like altercations or whatever, they'd bring the video cameras through with uh, right. broadcasting equipment mm-hmm. so that way, you know, somebody else could view blah, 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 right? And uh, when uh, Neil had said to the, the police officers, Neil, uh, uh, Neil Magnuson, Magnuson yeah, right. uh, he had said that, you know, we're not hurting anybody here. We're following the fundamental principles of justice. We've had success with this in the past. There's no need for you guys for to be decades, acting like this. Like, yeah. like almost two, decades, almost two yeah. decades. And then he had even mentioned that, you know, uh, this is also a political in- event because uh, he's a member of the marijuana party as well, mm-hmm. too. Right. And uh, from what I understand, that if a political party has it in their mandate to be able to do something like sell cannabis to, you know, help uh, breach or change the laws, from what I understand, Dana might be able to confirm this that it <laughs> I is imagine Dana it is <laughs> it is a mandate for them to do so right is that true well while that's probably questionable the the marijuana party legality and stuff i've heard some people say that but i'm not sure i've heard like kirk Tussaud or anybody with real legal standing bring up that kind of stuff but gotcha. but i mean the thing is that they're, they're having this event we've done the same thing we've been doing for 20 years you know previous years you've got pictures of police officers walking by giant tables of marijuana set yeah. up people openly selling cannabis and we think that that's what their priority should be to let it go and leave it alone but mm-hmm. This year, Neil was out there selling, I guess, with joints to people or starting off. Uh, I didn't see what the initial, uh, I guess, sale was. But from what I understood, he was just handing out joints and doing what would be normally done at any of the cannabis rallies. But there's Magnuson, who was was, uh, uh, very much at the center of the the controversy that happened on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was arrested with, uh, with how many other arrests were made that day? Uh, It was a total of four arrests. One for for dealing and then the other for obstruction of uh, police officers. Well, one guy for jaywalking who ran after the police yeah, truck as well. That was, that was dropped and yeah. <laughs> well, still, they did knock him to the ground, handcuff him, and throw him in the vehicle. And Very they not oh, yeah. doing yeah, anything I, violent. He was just running after the police. You're under arrest, yeah, yeah. yelling at him. So uh, for resisting arrest. Well, he was for he was under arrest for for jaywalking, but uh, supposedly for blocking the uh, uh, the paddy wagon. Which right? is, so oh, that's yeah. ridiculous. So e- even if you know that was the case, man, uh, he would have been doing exactly what any of us would have been doing and stopping what we believe to be an unlawful arrest. And 
so that's what took place. So Neil Magnuson <laughs> uh, is suddenly swarmed by police well, officers. There's, there's some videos online, right, where you mm-hmm. can watch. And I have, although I wasn't there, I have watched the video. And there's a conversation. Now Neil is someone who likes to talk and will mm-hmm. not. You know, people always get a word in edgewise. <laughs> and the police officer's trying to talk to Neil. And Neil's saying, "Look, marijuana is safe, safer than alcohol. You guys don't need to be here." And the cop's trying to say to him, and finally does, "Look, just stop selling marijuana. I don't want you doing any more dealing, okay?" And kind of puts his hand on his shoulder, "Stop selling marijuana." And the cop walks away. That's all I'm going to say. The cop walks away. Mm-hmm. And Neil's like, well, "I'm not going to do that." And he goes back before he even sells another joint or another thing or whatever. The cops come and grab him. Yeah. And afterwards, went, yeah. they told the media, "Oh, he was selling to minors." And but that's where the story it, changes. But if you watch yeah. the video, nowhere in there do the police say, "Hey, we just saw you sell a joint to a kid. Stop doing that," or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see any minors in the area. Neil says he wasn't selling to minors. I don't think he was taking ID either. But certainly, there was no lineup <laughs> of twelve-year-olds. No. And selling to a minor is actually a separate criminal offense, which they have not charged him with. They've only charged him with trafficking. And trafficking to a minor is actually a different. Which is thing, funny which because it's going done. through the news as trafficking to minor. minors. And, and yeah. when I was actually in holding, the the te- detective said uh, 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 dealing to a minor. So and, at this point, they need to get their story straight because you know, for one, they're going to need to have proof right obviously and yeah. otherwise you know it just seems like it's a a big sham to, oh, they'll probably to dirty drop the, the charges industry. in the end i bet anyway oh, yeah. yeah and of course the irony is they have this big kerfuffle people practice hug power they make up a bunch of arrests no. by noon everything was fine there was a bunch of tents set up people were selling marijuana openly mm-hmm. at 420 we gave away a couple of hundred joints like I, we always do i saw and the police were there but they didn't do anything so if they're so worried about like they weren't checking anybody else's yeah. ages or IDs or doing anything to stop any trafficking or anything happening after that altercation in the morning. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if they'd want to be consistent, they should have had cops out there arresting everybody all Agreed. day and yeah. standing us down. But it was a weird, it was seemed just like they wanted to try to be symbolic and make some kind of statement Agreed, yeah. about the cannabis culture and, uh, yeah, they had and, to and maybe to provoke a confrontation. Yeah, make our chance, their so, chance to knock us down. And at that point, they realized they weren't going to uh, be successful yeah. if they pushed any further it, um, to be honest I think a riot would have freaking started right so at this point I think they realized we made our attempt we'll see how it goes mm-hmm. right and yeah obviously there won't be the public support for it so I'm, I'm like Dana says I'm hoping that they drop the charges and that this is all just one big you know uh, uh, production piece right makes sense well well uh, with Dana just speaking right now he just mentioned a technique uh, called uh, hugging power hug power, yeah. hug power yeah. Yeah. now this is the technique that Bert you used, uh, and which uh, is has now you know been all over the news uh, of what has taken place. Why don't you explain for people at home uh, in in the visual medium that is podcast? <laughs> explain for them Use exactly your what third uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, what exactly hug power. Uh, and a technique is uh, well. Dana's probably seen a, a more successful version of oh, this because well, it's happened it's before. I mean, yeah. it, David Malavine <laughs> is somebody who kind of introduced this technique, and it's something that works yeah. in a society where the police don't want to be beating up nonviolent people mm-hmm. in front of media cameras. And if you're in China, this is not going to save you from the <laughs> no. tanks coming ever. But in the right time and place, and it's basically the idea is you don't want to touch a police officer or or interfere with them. But if somebody's being arrested for a nonviolent flower crime, as we call it, mm-hmm. you go and hug that person. <laughs> And if you've got a lot of people in a crowd hugging somebody, it makes it very difficult for the police to, to get that person. They've got to do a lot and of political really acts. It makes ugly them resort to yeah. violence. It makes the police look bad, and it's a way of protecting somebody who shouldn't be arrested mm-hmm. or who you feel shouldn't be arrested. And mm-hmm. and it can be effective. And I think in this sense, it was it didn't stop Neil from getting arrested, but it was effective in that it showed resistance to what the police were doing and without being violent towards the police. It's a very passive but assertive technique. Mm-hmm. And 
and I'll say what Neil was really arrested for was disrespect of a police officer. They don't like it when yeah. you tell them we don't need you here, go away. It was for te- and he was <laughs> not swearing, yeah. he yeah. was not yelling, but he was assertively telling the police to get lost and leave yeah. him alone. He was being the and master didn't like in the situation. And I watched and the yeah. video and Bert, can, but I mean, I watched the video with Bert, and he's telling the police there's a person who's been injured a bit, and they're laying mm-hmm. there, and they've got a uh, their face down, and there's cops standing around, and Bert's telling them get lost, leave us alone. You shouldn't be doing here. And the one cop behind him, you probably didn't see him because but the cop behind him points at him and says take him too yeah. and then two cops go and grab him and they try to handcuff him and Bert's not a a, a, a small fellow well, or whatever yeah, to get everything mention, in place he's not yeah. hitting anybody or being aggressive but he's mm-hmm. also not and then they pepper spray him a few times well, and eventually they get him and how tall are you Bert uh, six foot two six foot two and and how much do you weigh uh, I believe I'm around 280, 285 right 285. now. 285. Yeah, yeah, last... I used to be 375, so, you know. <laughs> well, uh, you're looking sharp. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, yeah, Thank you, good. thank you. Uh, people should be aware that uh, uh, maximum heavyweight in mixed martial arts you can fight at is uh, 265. So when people are thinking, just giving people out there listening proportions, uh, as you can hear in his demeanor, uh, Bird is a very, very calm soul. He's very, uh, very gentle, but he does have the proportions of someone who's capable of, uh, without opening his mouth, probably intimidating those around him. I would, I would think so. You're of that size. I'm a tall guy too, and mm-hmm. I know, and I'm nowhere near your, <laughs> your stature. So, uh, I would think um, these police officers, when they're like surrounding people, and they have someone like uh, Neil Magnuson, uh, just basically telling them they're not to be there. They're they're just thinking about their double time. Basically, they're getting on Canada Day, mm-hmm. which is just I don't know. The well, uh, irony is crazy. But yeah, wh- yeah, what do you think is going through their heads as individuals when they're being essentially ushered into a situation that it doesn't need to be that volatile? What do you think is going through their heads? A large proportion, from what I could read of the body language of most of the constables, is most of them had been there in the past knew that this was not needing to have any conflict mm-hmm. but you could see that there was obviously the order something had to get done because for how many times they were shooed away by telling them our proper common law and just lawful rights uh they would leave with a bit of a smile but kind of choked that they were just told off come back attempted again with somebody weaker get told off yet again right <laughs> and basically yeah that's when the altercation happened with neil where you could tell they had left after uh neil had said you know this is going to happen they left they're like okay fine shook his hand walk away about maybe five minutes later you see them come in an entire line and they only do that when they're about to do something big and at that point yeah i looked over to see neil he was sitting down do nothing he had his hands up uh watching them come saying hey guys what are you doing All right as they come up and they didn't even read them as rights or say you're under arrest they just reached for them and that's when everyone's like get the cameras get out there yeah. and uh, at that point yeah you know you make the rush you grab onto whoever you can sit down so that way you know they can't be dragged around or yourself and and, and how do they respond there. to you using this hug power technique? Um, we, we heard already that the, there was pepper spray mm-hmm. involved. How did they could see it in the video? But describe from your own point of view what happened, what took place, what the, how many constables uh, were involved in in your arrest? 
Uh, well, it kind of went in two phases because uh, there was the initial uh, rush to try and save Neil, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a few uh, activists got in on that. And uh, basically, they were successful at peeling Neil off uh, pretty much because it got to the point where they had him in a, a naked chokehold around the neck and I had him around the waist. And Are they start- legal? Huh? Can you do? Can, you, can cops no, chokehold people no. like that? Uh, they even tried that on me too. But um, you know, basically, I've got Neil by the waist. They've got him by the neck, and they're starting to pull. And it's like, okay, either Neil gets really hurt here, or he just goes through the process, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, we've made our point. Let him go, right? He's not in danger, right? Other than to keep fighting is going to hurt him, right? right? So you know, let him take the walk, right? I'm sure he would agree with that too, right? Because <laughs> um, I think he even said to Malmo when Malmo tackled him, it's like. But he just stopped. I'm hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, at that point, uh, they had managed to drag him away. But uh, another uh, activist friend of mine was actually buried underneath two people, and his face was getting crushed while having an officer trying to bend his arm backwards. You know, while he's on his back. So improper, it's like really, uh, yeah, putting this guy, technique. Yeah, yeah, like this is going to get somebody broken or killed really fast. Wow. Yeah, he's screaming under the pile, "Help me! Help me! Help me!" And you're watching this. And yeah, then- and uh, myself, Eric, and uh, another a couple individuals helped try and get underneath there uh, uh i don't want to out his last sorry name, okay just yeah, in sorry. case you know okay. uh, legal sense. issues but you know he's a hero nonetheless and he knows who he is okay um uh at that point uh cameron one of the other fellows that was arrested he was dragged off uh off of uh, our friend and uh, the pile just kind of dispersed right so i'm like oh wow that's really lucky right but i see them dragging off other people right so we get up make a rush for you know neil if we can and at that point i meet uh, a big wall of uh, constables and i get pepper sprayed in the face right away wow right so instead of trying to breach the line and assaulting anybody right turn around go to a knee just so that way if they're going to swarm me i don't get pancaked flat on my back right mm. at this point i see reg just bent right over obviously had been maced really really bad and you know i got my hand on him just to make sure that he's okay right and then i start speaking to the constables why are you assaulting us like this you know we are peaceful people we've been successful with this every year why are you doing this you know and basically, uh, they're saying, oh, blah, 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 you know, uh, there's a breach of the peace. And I'm like, you have to explain what that was, pal, because that's very specific if you're operating as a peace officer right now. And you guys have already admitted that you are operating as peace officers. That's right. Puts a very specific code of law upon them in their actions, right? So they have to see something that's, you know, of uh, significant damage, a theft, a fraud, you know, those sorts of things, that's right. right? And for a person being able to uh, to uh, either sell or give medicine or sacrament to another person, right? Mm-hmm. I feel doesn't qualify for uh, violence like this, right? And at this point, I'm viewing Neil as a political party member, and I haven't seen a, a lawful crime being committed. So at this point, that's when I get involved and I'm going to stop them from assaulting a, a party member or even just a normal person. doesn't matter who they are. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, obviously, like, I think anyone out there right now, for the most part, if you're someone you know, mm-hmm. an acquaintance is being unlawfully arrested, most people would verbally speak up. Mm-hmm. I think... In a smaller minority, people would physically get involved and, oh. and use the hug power technique. Sad, or I, I, sadly, hug power is one of those techniques that really needs to blossom from Vancouver into other uh, activism worlds because I see far too many people want to get violent right away, and violence is very rarely the answer. Here in Vancouver, we've had the long-term activism to actually create a very peaceful society here Super for the cannabis. Pacifist, and, yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, and why would they go and interrupt that now and try and start a war? Well, that right? is And sense, all across yeah. North America right now, we're seeing patches of civil disobedience turn into violence 
balance. And the last thing I want to have happen here in Vancouver is the same thing that happened in um, um, in your Ukraine. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. A few protests all of a sudden get hijacked by people that you know are trying to be militant and cause a fight, and. It feel, felt like this is what we were being pushed towards. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad that nobody got violent, right? And we made them look bad by them being violent. We were peaceful. And even with me having five or six constables, you know, jumping all over me, trying to arrest me while I'm protecting someone, right, from them, uh, that I'm still not going to lash back and, you know, turn around and say, you know what? I know you guys had your job to do, and I'm not going to turn this into a war. I'm sad and I'm, I'm disappointed in this, but, you know, restorative justice hopefully is going to turn it around because, you know, Dana and, and uh, the long-term activists long before me have worked very hard to get it to a peaceful place. And, That's right. You know, this man's helped set up a uh, dispensary regulation so that way we get that respect. Absolutely. And so it makes zero sense why they'd turn around and, and, you know, spit in the face of that when most places, if they had the, the funding or, you know, even just the, the freedom to be able to do uh, what they needed to do, they would comply with uh, bylaws and regulations regulations but sadly we're in a, a, a restrictive market it's not legal so the costs are so prohibitive but once those go down the market will normalize and next thing you know we'll have cleaner product more respectable uh, uh restrictions and i know i'm a big fan of the 2002 senate report so the whole you know subject about selling to minors i'm very flexible on that but it has to be reasonable right so, you obviously, know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the policies that China and state really don't make any sense. And even when it comes to the edibles, we just had a federal case say that edibles are medicine. But now we have the city saying that we can't have edibles. I'm so sorry. Like, Municipal doesn't trump conflict. federal, you know, unless yeah, they're right, willing yeah. to say to federal, screw you guys. This is unlawful for our people. Mm-hmm. Then I, it makes sense. But for this, none of it makes sense. It's like protection uh, racket yeah. for like, I don't know, the higher class dispensaries or something. Or I don't know. But it, it's interesting. I'm sure Dana can speak to that better. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Dana had a good point, though, about how almost immediately after arrests were made and the original police dispersed. Uh, the remainder of the day went as the past twenty or past nineteen years. Yeah, if you got there at noon, and which a lot of folks did, you would have no idea what had transpired that morning. Maybe there'd be the odd person with a bit of pepper spray, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, swelling in the eyes or what something is, like what that. What did you but, say on social media? You're like, you would the never faint know. Whiff of pepper spray in the air or something. <laughs> but I mean, other than that, it was it, it was a smaller event than usual. But we did everything we told the city we were going to do. We complied with what we thought was our end of the agreement that we had, and and uh, and you know, of course, the other irony here is that Bert's someone who was given an award by the VPD for yes, his act for protecting heroism yeah. and bravery and uh, and, and helping yeah, being stop a stoner right? so, from yeah. doing damage during the alcohol soaked officially sponsored by Vancouver that's right you know Gregor Robertson themed Stanley uh, uh, Stanley Cup riot which cost the city I think five million dollars in damages and two or three million dollars in police work that's enough to cover our 420 rallies for like 50 years or something like it's uh it's it's a bit ridiculous when they complain about you know the money spent on our event but they're willing to blow millions and millions of dollars on on a booze soaked uh, fest that essentially celebrates a, a sport that's mostly around violence people punching each other in the head no, no and, you, brought uh, up, uh, you brought up the riots <laughs> and uh uh i think aside from that photo of that couple kissing on the ground 
in the in the riots. I think Bert is probably in the most famous and most used photo from it the riots. It is a perfectly timed perfectly shot of this guy getting clocked. He was up to no good. I think so he was trying to throw a Molotov into a truck or something. Was that uh, right? Or it was, what was he trying to do? A third attempt at throwing burning newspaper back into the truck. Apparently, right. he so, was the one that yeah. threw it in the first two times. All so right, Bert, to... Bert's a hero from the 2011 Stanley Cup riots. Uh, he's a humble guy. Uh, he was awarded in 2013 by the Vancouver Police Department, the same one that just arrested him quite unlawfully uh, last week. Uh, he responded in kind in probably what I think might be the most badass thing I've heard in a long time. Uh, Bert went to City Hall uh, two days after the fact and publicly burned his award of recognition for heroism uh, on the uh, steps of City Hall. Now, that has obviously been covered extensively in the media. Um, but I would like to hear from your point of view, Bert, I know we talked a little bit off air about your background and how you were raised in a, uh, law enforcement, military background. Uh, your respect for the issue obviously goes much, much, much deeper than I think the superficial vibe of what sometimes the media portrays as like flower crimes and hippie power and this kind of stuff. It's like, you're clearly not that vibe. I would like to know uh, what what brought about your your reasoning for doing so and burning that award. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I consider the VPD to be family, considering that uh, my grandfather and my great-grandfather were both uh, military men and also came home and uh, served with the VPD. Uh, my great-grandfather was actually one of the founding members of the, the VPD Auxiliary, which was meant to be the home militia if uh, war ever started at home. And then uh, my grandfather, after he served in World War II, uh, became a, a VPD uh, service member, and uh, I believe he was a, uh, a range officer um, and I think he was uh, an inspector and a member of the uh, International Police Association if I'm correct. Wow, so and super deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so uh, myself, you know, having been raised around, you know, uh, discipline and, you know, wanting to protect people and, you know, be the, the good person in society mm-hmm. you know, I obviously wanted to enlist in these institutions, right? But luckily my father, you know uh, being We got the, the build for it. Yes, yes so <laughs> I was going to say the, the genetic are obviously there yes um, you would be a very scary officer in my opinion. <laughs> uh, I think that's uh, one thing that my father made sure to address when I was young was that um, he had come from a, a fairly uh, violent upbringing right mm. because you know old school raisings uh, were what they were and uh, he wanted to make sure that you know uh, he offered something different for me he said he was going to break the cycle as it were right and so he was very honest with me uh, throughout my life uh, he was a hippie from very early on right mm-hmm. and so he made sure to to tell me everything about drugs when i was a young child right so for me there was not a lot of the the allure or the the mystery to it right he was very open and he said you know if there's something that you want to do right bring your friends and you know we can all do it together so that way you learn how to do it safe or you guys don't do anything stupid right very controlled uh, very, very respectful right yeah. but i was also raised with my mother and my stepdad too mm-hmm. right who were very strict and they were very straight edge right so i had both worlds right and uh I had a pretty decent view of uh, what could go on in life. And luckily, my father also told me when it came to, to the police or military, it's not what you think it is. 
right and just for that you know i was able to you know get a bit of a break from the family uh tradition right and uh had a chance to really get to see what the world was really like uh, and instead of uh going and possibly killing for my country i chose that you know what i'm going to kind of do the opposite and i chose to become become a caregiver right uh it was one of those things where i knew that i was directly working with my community um nobody was going to die unless i was really just not doing my job correctly right? right or unless you know it was a legit medical uh situation but it was one of those things where i felt like i could take the uh the mentality of masculinity right and really flip it on its head because you know to to be the the aggressive violent or hunter type of individual that's a natural genetic mm-hmm. sure some people may need to train that in order to be able to do it properly where they don't go off you know and, and overdo it but for myself i felt you know i'd been trained enough between martial arts uh contact sports and just being a skater and getting into you know the usual teenage scuffles that you know um <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could probably do things a little bit differently the way my father taught me to, right? I'm trying to picture some guy getting into a scuffle with you as a teenager. I'm like, Jesus, that must be like... <laughs> Considering I was six feet tall in sixth grade. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, let me let me ask this. Um, with uh, with respect to how things went down, mm-hmm. what, what injuries did you walk away from? You're sporting a pretty purple shiner right now <laughs> <laughs> honestly i didn't even notice that that could have been just from a knee from a buddy while i was trying to grab a hold of his waist right um to be honest uh the injuries that i have are the same as what i had going into it um i'm an injured worker so uh basically it's just kind of exacerbated you know my injuries and but luckily i've been learning how to mitigate them so it hasn't been too bad okay the worst of it has basically been uh with the initial naked chokehold that was thrown on me right away um that crushed my larynx a fair amount and it's still sore but i managed to get my chin down and under so i could break the guy's uh chokehold and then he realized oh wait i'm doing something illegal and we started going <laughs> to other pain compliance uh, uh methods that basically on a, a gentleman of uh, my uh, demeanor Pain doesn't mean shit if you're trying to get me to st- get me to stop from doing something that's right. So fuck you. You can take an arm. I'll still beat you with a bloody stump, right? Yeah, yeah. So you facing charges now, or what's I your am. situation? Yeah. So what are you actually charged with? Then? Uh, 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 was it? Uh, <laughs> resisting arrest yeah not resisting arrest uh, uh obstruction of a police officer right uh and the entire time i'm asking them why they're doing this you know explaining that you know they have no right to be doing this you know because everything's been peaceful and whatnot and yeah but he tried a few uh, uh pain compliance moves i'm sure you can see the various ones where he's like grabbing my jaw and my uh cheeks and whatever trying to treat me like a pit bull and just like steer me and i'm like i even turn around and look at him square in the eyes a couple times and told him buddy your pain compliance moves or bitch status really? fuck off <laughs> did you actually say that absolutely made full <laughs> eye contact with him all three times and after the third time he finally stopped that's when the uh the group actually separated at the first time and i went to go help uh yeah. uh, uh with uh ron there or no uh, dude that must have been the yeah, yeah. I'm pretty confident their pain compliance techniques would work on me very well. Yeah, me too. Like in a second, he's probably like, "Man, this always works. I don't know what's going on here." Yeah, do over here. And then you know, when uh, came to them pepper spraying me the second time, right? Uh, luckily, I saw him hit the trigger, so I could turn. He got me in the side of the head and the back. That's when I uh, went over and tried to protect, uh, you know, the guy that was already pepper sprayed. And then yeah, the five or six of them just jumped on my back. One yeah. fellow actually on my back, doing like the camel clutch on my chin. 
and that's about the only other injury that's really bothering me but the funny thing is is because of my previous injuries uh my spine has been bending forward he actually helped bend it back a little bit so there was actually oh, okay. a little bit of relief so free car yeah well, and yeah. the funny thing yeah. is is he's sitting there doing this camel clutch on me and i'm like no and just crank my head forward because yeah I've, well, uh, as you can tell i've got a pretty big neck yeah right like, so well, at that point that's you know. when they started realizing they're gonna have to pepper spray me again right and uh they had grabbed me by my legs tried to lift them off the ground so that God way i had no damn. leg leverage right and that's when i see that one officer get in my face again and he's just about to hammer me on an in-breath with uh, the pepper spray and i realize there's nobody left to protect okay, you know what, I'm not going to hurt anybody because this puts me at uh, risk of dying, right? Because they're going to choke me out and somebody's going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I just told them, if you get off my back, I'll give you my arms. And at that point, they did. So I gave them my arms. And after that, everything was actually very respectful because I think they realized that with the five or six officers on <laughs> me struggling very hard just to try and get me under control to try and put a cuff on me, if they pissed me off enough to actually try and save my own life, yeah. things were going to get very ugly. And it's like, who wants to start a war? That's well, not what this no, is about. I'm not, that's not going to end well. I'm yeah. Not, I'm not, I'm, yeah. And you know what? Uh, even the whole weed warrior thing, you know, I, I, I take literal... Uh, translation of the warrior thing and I'm like I'm done with this drug war you know I consider myself a cannabis peacekeeper mm -hmm. and you know I look at the work that Dana and, and crew have Dana done here and well, yeah. creating this piece Absolutely. and there's no fucking way I'm letting anybody destroy that right because look at that it's, it's not about defeating the police militarily or anything no. that's never going to happen and get that's them not on your goal. side They're we're human. trying to create safe spaces for people to enjoy cannabis and right. safe spaces for our culture to do our thing and the 420 and the cannabis day and the vapor lounges and, and the dispensaries these are too. safe places for us that yeah and for us to do our things you know and so it's it's, it's bizarre that we have a city that has a, which I totally support, a safe injection site for mm -hmm. IV drug users Absolutely. to be able to do that. Absolutely. But they're talking about Same. taking away safe spaces for cannabis users to use cannabis. Ridiculous. And it's a very bizarre dichotomy. We just want to be treated the same as heroin users? I mean, oh, come on. Like, I would even support <laughs> weird, bars yeah. and stuff like that, too. It doesn't matter what yeah. the substance is, as long as the substance is clean, safely regulated, so that way it's reasonable access, you know, and, uh, you know, if children are a risk of getting access to it, you know, you put your... Uh, same sort of regulations in place as alcohol but eventually you know uh, people will start to realize Portugal made an excellent decision in decriminalizing everything right That's and right. once people realize the problems are going to be there whether it's legal or not and then if you legalize it and have the revenue to help people make that change you know uh it gets a lot simpler, you know, even just the idea of not being called a criminal for what you do helps so much in a person's psyche and what they do in their day. That's and really they possibly important. end up stop being self-destructive in what their substance is and they yeah. can actually get that fine balance. Or if they can't, they have something a lot safer that they can uh, go to as well, right? And to be honest, most people only use hard drugs if they're, you know, uh, feeling stressed or whatnot, right? Uh, and that's when they abuse it. But then there's those that it's their, it's their perfect match. And why would you begrudge them for their perfect match? You know, have a beer, have a wine, you know, whatever. You have a little snort of a rail or you like your MDMA or, or your LSD. But it's all about knowing reasonable limits, mm -hmm. set and setting, you know, you uh, be responsible, you know. And these are all adult choices that, you know, even, you know, come from the Bible, you know. Like, these are natural laws. If you're going to abuse yourself or something else, there's going to be a natural, you know, 
reaction to it and i'm just sick of a lot of the misinformation that's been created out there that cause people to harm themselves just out even not knowing right yeah they hear oh well cannabis was safe well blah 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 and then they try something else because well <laughs> drugs are obviously okay then and it's oh, like God. no you have to research everything you do in life you have to be responsible for everything you do in life that's called being a responsible adult that's the mcgruff the crime dog effect on some people where they they like they take the most basic of information and run with it as canon rather than their own uh their own trials essentially and try mm-hmm. and figure it out the actor who played mcgruff the crime dog was later arrested with a house full of like drugs and weapons and they were officially uh, getting rid of mcgruff uh, the crime dog a, as a, but oh. it's a classic thing you see that with a lot of people that are against <laughs> gay rights then it turns out that they're gay and mm-hmm. that, 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 this yeah. is this weird dichotomy and you What's definitely get a lot of police officers and politicians who make their careers being opposed to these things and it gets turned out that they are drug dealers or users themselves and uh, they just and figured out how common, to butter their bread common, yeah. <laughs> if everyone that was a, if everything that you were against was actually what you were for this, there would be a very interesting situation well yeah it's sadly you know that happens a lot with those in the religious community that have been led to uh, demonize a sacrament or even like spiritual uh, entheogens and whatnot right mm-hmm. and to me that's that's the biggest kicker right is that you know for those that are Christian right uh, cannabis is a sacrament it took nine pounds of it to make the holy anointing oil uh, most people don't even know that uh, that manna you know the, the from the, the Manna. Yeah, the manna that rose with the frost. Yeah. Well, chances are that was probably magic mushrooms. No wonder uh, Moses was seeing a flaming blue angel and speaking with and God. The burning bush. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, uh, some people, they refuse to put these things together because, you know, there's been convenient mistranslations or misunderstandings or they just haven't read it and they're just going with somebody else's version of it, right? Yeah. And it is one of those things where, you know, you can either cherry pick and go for the right stuff once you're wise enough or you can just kind of, you know, eat it part and parcel and just get what you're fed but you know it's just sad when the actual solution for a religious individual is right there in their text and they can't see it you know and it it hurts because it's like it would so enrich your life it would so enrich your life but you're so scared of it because you were told that it's bad and it's like that's the ultimate crime against you and just your own faith you know even just uh in uh uh, was it middle eastern uh cultures or whatever bong you know like being able to to boil milk with cannabis to be able to create a a nice healthy brew like that very medicinal and spiritual but yet it's considered to be you know a a filthy drug by some it's like are you kidding me man (laughs) well i mean a lot of what is uh i don't know traditionally considered filthy in north america is is just slowly being eroded into now what is like the norm hopefully is it's what forward. reality has always been and yeah. i love the quote how many times do the hippies have to be right before we listen <laughs> right you know and it's like yeah i can understand living a clean life but do you have to live a sterile life some you know? hippies well we live in a booze soaked world where alcohol is con- and i'm not against alcohol but alcohol is constantly promoted every politician is so drinking beer they want to keep dispensaries 300 meters from schools but there's billboards and bus ads for alcohol everywhere you look our culture promotes alcohol 
alcohol constantly and said, I don't want to ban alcohol, but let's give it some legitimate competition from mm-hmm. some other safer, uh, far less harmful and more beneficial substances. That's right. Uh, but yeah, they're scared and of cookies. And this, this whole scourge <laughs> of the children, and we got to think of the children. And, you know, I really think in many ways 420 is the new gay pride because they mm-hmm. use the same arguments against gay people. Oh, what about the kids? They want to have sex with our children. The gay people are all about converting our children and Sexual making them gay deviance. with their gayness. Yeah. And as if the, as if being gay means you want to prey on children. And with marijuana, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. They think that all we want to do is give get kids high and sell weed to kids and that our whole focus and all we want to do is corrupt their children and turn mm-hmm. them into pot smokers. And like, that's not what we want to do at all, right? Nobody's seeking to do that. The only minors <laughs> that should have marijuana should be what well, the doctor's note, right? But we don't want kids going to jail for possession of marijuana either. Or the ones but underground. But this idea that we're, but this, this thing that's all about the children and that marijuana and that kids must just be dying to smoke weed. I mean, most kids don't want to smoke weed anyways. I don't know most, if I got a 13 year old that's really dying, like it's, it, it's a weird, it's a weird situation, but it's one that is the same kind of demonization that's been used against other groups over history. It's mm-hmm. always the fear of the kids and what about the children? And I, I hope that over time, we will get our 420 rallies to the point where they are sponsored by the city and big business wants to be a part of it and everyone comes down to it in the same way that the pride parades have gone from being a very controversial event that were uh, quite uh, risque and yeah. people were really upset about it when it first started and that it was going to turn everybody gay and all the kids are going to turn gay. But now it's a family event. And now event. people who say those kind of things yeah. are considered to be a bunch of ignorant bigots. You know, there's some people out there who, who think yeah. the gay community is trying to get everybody else gay and they want to gay up our kids. But <laughs> We see them as ignorant bigots, right? And they're (laughs) people from the past. And yet, with marijuana, even people who are on our side, people like Justin Trudeau or even Gregor Robertson, Mayor of Vancouver, who support legalization, who like smoking pot themselves or have in the past and probably still would if they didn't have a job that made it very hard for them to do so. And yet, they're the ones out there saying, oh, what about the kids? And so, it's this weird cry that gets taken up by both sides in the debate. And and it's total bullshit. There's no reason to be so worried about kids and pot. Yeah, there's there's no evidence. If you're an adult... And you, if a parent, and you want to give your your child a little bit of wine with their dinner, mm-hmm. that's totally your choice. If you let your kid smoke a bit of pot with after their meal or something, you can find yourself going to prison, having your children or taken away, having your life. Yeah, they don't even yeah. have to smoke. And it. not Just that have I think you should be giving your kids tons of joints, you know, to smoke every day or whatever. But this comparison between a cultural phenomenon of having a little bit of wine with your meal when you're below the legal age in your own home, hey, that's fine. But if you were to share a bit of cannabis or let your kid experiment with that when they're 16 or something with you. Uh, you can easily lose your child, lose your credibility, and have a lot of t- and be charged and, and put in jail. And so, mm-hmm. that's a you know real shame. And the real harm to children is prohibition and taking their parents away, mm-hmm. and even putting kids in prison and giving them a criminal record for smoking a joint uh, causes them more harm over their lives than that joint could ever cause in the worst case scenario. Now, a great way to approach it from the from the pro side of of dealing with children is perhaps using popular literature, maybe even literature that is becoming popular, uh, very recently released, uh, authored book by uh, Mr. Dana Larson here, uh, Green Puds and Hash, uh, which is obviously a tale for all ages, but uh, if you were to, say, give that to a, a child who is unaware of the... the uh, actual context. The of actual it. context and, and the, the drawbacks and the and the pros of, of that narrative, I think they'd have a much different outset. Like I know if I read that at a young age and then was inundated with the, uh, the system's idea of what is legal and what is illegal, I would have to question why a, a book was even authored 
Um, you know, because when you're young, anything that's made outside of your home is essentially canon. Like anyone who gives you anything is like, whoa, I read this in a book. This is in a magazine. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. It must be true. Like no one ever questions it beyond that at that age. So I think if you're young and you read something like that, it gives you a different perspective other than the, you know, Mc- McGruff, the crime dog also doing drugs on the, <laughs> by himself kind of thing. So, uh, and yet I don't, yeah. you know, so you're talking about my book, Green Buds and Hash, and you can go yeah. to greenbudsandhash.com if you want to check it out. And it's basically a, a parody of the Dr. Seuss Green Eggs and Ham. Would you like Green Buds and Hash? No, I would not, Mr. Stash no, and kind of goes on from there with yeah. a bit of a medical marijuana twist at the end and I still haven't got any phone calls from the ghost of Dr. Seuss trying to <laughs> sue me or anything yet so we'll see how that how that goes in the future but but you know when I wrote it I didn't really I really thought of it's more for grown-ups it's kind of a funny thing to read but a surprising number of people have told me that they're reading it to their children and I don't see anything wrong with that I think it's it's something for all ages you know I don't think any anybody of any age is going to read that book and think now I got to go smoke a joint like it's not that's not the conclusion right <laughs> I mean, the conclusion of the story is that cannabis is good medicine and can help those who need it for medicinal purposes. And if you have an ailment, there's there's something that can help you out. But uh, but this idea that kids are, are going to be, you know, we've got to protect them and keep them away from, from marijuana and teach them that marijuana is evil. Otherwise, they're going to start smoking it when they're five years old. And then their lives are going to be ruined because their brains are going to melt. And that's all, you know, it's all nonsense, right? And I'm all happy for age limits for marijuana to be available. But coffee... We don't have any age limits on ca- caffeine. Kids can go to a store. They can buy aspirin. They can buy caffeine pills at Walmart enough to kill you quite easily. Mm-hmm. One bottle full. Quite easily. And no age, mm-hmm. no age limits on that at all. Kids can, and many children do, drink large quantities of Coca-Cola and Pepsi and other soft drinks that are heavily laced with sugar NyQuil. and caffeine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure there should be age limits on those things either. But clearly, there's a real hypocrisy there where we're treating mm-hmm. some of these things uh, as harmless for kids when they're not really. And other things we're so freaked out about when it's really not a big deal. Yeah, Yeah. because like myself, I was a a caregiver for 14 years. I was paid to administer pharmaceutical medications to individuals, right? And, you know, I've been through the CPS, uh, which is the pharmaceutical compendium that tells, you know, the effects, uh, side effects and contraindications, etc., right? And, you know, after seeing how many meds it would normally take, you know, uh, to give a person relief because, you know, they end up taking a med for all these different side effects, you know, it just ends up being so unhealthy. Step into cannabis, you do your research research and you realize wait a second all this is is a plant-based supplement for the body okay so at that point my belief is that it should only be regulated the same way that you'd go to a health nutrition store right maybe with you know if you're a 16 years of age and under right you need parental consent right mm-hmm. you know and for specific products but if it's just something like a a, a, a topical cream like or salve. something like ourselves and so, yeah. like, such like that you know it, people need to realize there is a long-term history where this was safe for use with children and whatnot there has not been any proof to show that there's damage to uh, a developing or uh, mind pre or postnatal because I'm sure Dana can attest to this that there was uh, 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 research done in Jamaica for you know uh, pre and postnatal uh, development while exposed to cannabis they found no negative effects so is that true yeah oh yeah there's there's been quite a bit of research into children and cannabis there was a major study he's talking about a study done by a doctor named melanie Dreher, mm-hmm. and she did a lot of research comparing cannabis using mothers with non-cannabis using mothers in jamaica and found that if anything the children from the ganja mothers were slightly more healthy and better <laughs> off than the non-ones but there wasn't really any big difference but yeah, in and, the end it all and, evens out anyways yeah, as they said and, right? the, and it's really poverty that is really the big deciding factor in almost everything it's about poverty mm-hmm. is what may is yeah. what's really the 
deciding factor in infant health and all those things. It's not really even drug use at all. Even hard drug use, poverty is a more driver. Someone who's wealthy and rich who does cocaine is going to have pretty good natal outcomes. Someone who's poor and using crack is going to have a very different situation. <laughs> Dr. Gabor, it's not Matt, because yeah, of the drug, it's because too, of the yeah. situation. But right. I, will, I just want to say one thing, because Bert was talking about, I agree about the age limits that for marijuana creams or CBD-based products, there shouldn't need to be any age limits at all. And I'm going to get a plug-in for my other product that I'm doing, MJ Creams. It's a marijuana cream that we're selling, and we've been having some great response for pain yes. relief, for topical pain. It might help your shine early, heal up a little Actually, bit faster there. I've been using and, creams, uh, so oh, right yes, and, and, it's uh, been helping, yes. And it's also good for eczema and psoriasis. And this is something that I tell people, you can put it on a baby's diaper rash or use it for grandma's arthritis use, or anywhere I'm a ginger, in and I use this stuff you know? as like burn relief. And I tell you, as someone who you know is considered a day walker, okay, <laughs> I don't fear the sun anymore, okay? I go out there, get a nice wicked burn, and I'll throw some of these can, uh, cannabinoids lotions like Dana's talking about and within four hours I'm starting to get a tan so wow. do these things actually work and I used to turn like purple when I would burn so this this says something so. absolutely well uh Dana Larson, where can you purchase such uh, items if you're well, so inclined? What we're trying to do with the MJ Cream is we've been selling it at our dispensary for quite a while, but then I realized this is such a wonderful product that it should be getting out to everybody. You shouldn't need a doctor's note to use marijuana cream. I mean, I don't think you need a doctor's note for any marijuana product, but the cream especially, no psychoactivity, no risk, no age limits. <laughs> and so we have a website at mjcreams.ca, and we'll mail order to anybody in Canada. You don't need a doctor's note or anything like that. We'll send you free samples if you discover our $12 shipping cost mm -hmm. but we've also got a list of stores on there you can get them at all the weeds locations in vancouver but also mark emery's uh, a cannabis culture shop both locations he's selling them there without a prescription and also uh, the stressed and depressed and association yeah yeah well and a lot, a lot of dispensaries so we get so there's a list on our website we've got about 25 spots we're in right now and my goal is to help get this cream and once we get the cream out there others will follow i think but yeah. i want the, i want marijuana creams to be available in mainstream stores for canadians without a prescription oh, even in healthcare so facilities this yeah, would be so that's our, excellent excellent so our goal like with these. a GNC or something like that. Yeah, it should be sold in London, and probably yeah. in, in the future. It's going to be a while, but until you know, until we're at a legal state. But I mean, London Drugs and Shoppers Drug Mart, those guys are never going to sell buds by the gram or whatever. No. That does not fit in <laughs> to their paradigm, right? But no. they would sell marijuana creams. They would sell salves. Mm -hmm. They would sell maybe well, CBD actually, capsules well, actually, and things like not, that. Not and true. Actually, the the pharmacy in the back might hold yeah the tinctures and stuff like that. But I could see the the storefront though holding things like the the hemp and cannabis whey products and oh, all the nutritional tinctures. stuff. I just think Raw buds is not like they very don't true, deal in, and it's gonna make their whole store smell like weed, and it's not really their <laughs> thing. And and really, the although I'm all for raw buds and smoking hey, joints, London for buds. Things, there we go. Yeah, yeah <laughs> buds. buds. But I mean, the real the real intrinsic medicinal value usually comes from an extract more <laughs> than from the whole bud. And certainly I'm smoking an joints and myself, bong hits so that's yeah. great medicine for a lot of things. But for the kind of I think for for the for companies like that, they're going to be selling extracts instead. So the creams and salves and, and CBD stuff should be in the regular aisles. You know, maybe the high TH see things with psychoactivity should yeah. be sold in the back with some kind of age limit mm -hmm. a little warning label about how to use but it safely diaper and rash kind of creams stuff, you know, and, and uh, uh you know uh, teething salves or stuff like that you know that shouldn't have to be ha having any restrictions no. on like this stuff would make for an excellent diaper rash cream for goodness sakes it's like absolutely yeah, what like, was the name of that website mjcreams.ca mjcreams.ca that's very uh 
Very interesting. I'd like to personally try it out. I'd like to uh, test yeah, it's got it out. Various yeah, it's range too. You know, what, we've, what we've done is we had one base cream that was, and it's just a white cream. You can't, some of them smell like marijuana or have that, but ours doesn't have that at all. But because the plain cream was so popular, I wanted to put out some few variations. So we have a pain mm-hmm. cream that we've added arnica and juniper, and we have a calm one that we added to chamomile and lavender. And, Actually, the arnica and one other, would be perfect other, for sk- my bruises. Yeah, yeah and thank a, you. a skin <laughs> one with, uh, with uh, comfrey and calendula. So we've added, we got a lip balm as well to help prevent and remove cold sores and help I, with uh, chapping and we're going to have some more products we're going to have massage oils and a sex lube coming out within a few months as well oh, yeah? and there's some amazing products you can do with these topical I'm, uh, uh, cells I'm pretty interested in that that'd be kind of cool uh, I actually I get this weird rash uh, right on my belt line from my belt when it rubs my stomach when mm-hmm. I sit down and I like it'll go away if I don't wear my belt for a couple weeks just Basic naturally friction, right yeah. but man if I have not tried like everything out there to just kind of get rid of it because mm-hmm. it's just like a it's not like a really a friction rub but it like it, it's there and it bothers me oh it, it's like try yeah, our cream. it's probably like heat rash you know stuff like that try our creams I mean you can't guarantee it but we've had some pretty miraculous stories from people yeah. about rashes allergies mm-hmm. uh, other skin problems and post-surgical yeah. pain muscle pain all kinds of stuff I love how Data's first response was like yeah you should try our cream and the second response is like you might want to throw out your belt <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's causing this repeatedly what kind of belt that was yeah uh Man, you know what? Uh, I feel like time is just crushing by here so quick. Like, uh, we're almost coming to the tail end of it, but I feel like we didn't even really scratch the surface of anything we really wanted to jump well, into. I got time to chill out, you know, and no Dana a, may have a, a uh, schedule, but if you'd like uh, to talk It's a big longer, topic. Yeah. I mean, so much is going on, and there's so much misinformation and confusion, especially even among the cannabis community who follow this stuff mm-hmm. all day. It's so hard yeah. to keep track with dispensaries getting licensed in Vancouver yeah. and all the rigmarole around that and the federal government and the election coming up and oh, other yeah. cities doing things it's, and it's, such, and it's such an important summer hey big, like with yeah, this election coming on, up so much to educate people on and it's like yeah the, the the core root subjects really need to be hammered at and focused on so that way people don't get distracted by all the bs that's being thrown out there but yeah you know i'm, I'm pretty sure that you know if uh, police forces and other agencies are worried about you know funding issues and stuff like that mm-hmm. they really need to take it back to basics go to canada's history that's on the law books uh address things like the the bank of canada act of 1934 so that way we have real money and next thing you know we can actually start funding all these public uh uh, programs again and next thing you know uh the streets start getting better you know because as dana said poverty usually ends up being the mega issue of it all right so yeah and if we need to to you know change our money system back to something that previously worked i say we do it Mm -hmm. then reduce uh or uh repeal all the restrictions on hemp so that way we can have the the rich history of hemp growing so that way we have materials we have uh fiber fuel all that sort of thing so like it's a pretty broad issue and you know if they're going to try and start a war on you know canada's freedom day as it were you know they're going to have a pretty bad time yeah because they're coming you're coming you're gonna have a bad time yeah you're gonna have a bad time (laughs) because let's face it these are some of the the leaders of the industry the greatest spokespersons that are out there right and you're you're pretty much shitting in the the cannabis mecca of canada right now so, you know, right now we have education as our, our, our great tool right now. So those within the, the mainstream media, if you're willing to t- uh, pick up the ball and run with it, great. But the independent media, uh, thank goodness they've been uh, running with that and, and uh, taking a run for it. You know, if I can suggest two documentaries just to, you know, 
get you even accustomed to the concept. Uh, one is called The Crime of the Canadian Banking System. It's a short documentary uh, uh, done by a retired school teacher. Is it on YouTube? It is on YouTube, yeah. yeah. And uh, it basically explains uh, the history of Canada's banking, how it used to be based off of gold, and we would spend our money into existence to keep us from uh, getting any of this compound interest or crap happening, right? right? right. So we'd just write things off. And then we would actually have a very uh, stable uh, uh, economic system, right? So, you know, uh, it's funny that Mr. Trudeau, you know, isn't talking about this because it's his father that changed these policies. So uh, we'll see how things go as to whether or not, you know, any other parties other than the Green Party have the ovaries to speak about these issues. But we do have it in our history of uh, fiscal success. And what we're seeing now is the wind down of this fraudulent monetary system. So everybody's all stressed out. Everybody's pointing fingers at one another and trying to demonize, which is, to me is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. But as long as one is one, when it comes to monetary system, because it's supposed to be an abacus, not a screwed up calculator putting out crazy math, you know, a lot of these things will be dealt with because we won't have the poverty issues. We have, yeah, rich Canadian history of being successful with a lot of social programs. So repeat those. And it really comes, comes down to, you know, you're supposed to be the driver when it comes to the vehicle of change of government. You know, you can't sit there with your foot on the pedal and not steer and then complain that either things have crashed or someone, you know, carjacked you and took the wheel. And that's what's happened in our country right now. That's right. And so, you know what? You, you yourself, Bert, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Dana and, and other events as well, and uh, tied in vents, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, re- you know, I have to say, I, I really admire you standing up and, 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 uh, putting yourself out there both physically and emotionally and, and, uh, Dana as well. I, I know many times in the past and, and presently, uh, you guys have both put yourselves out there so many times in the face of what I think the average citizen would consider like dangerous situations Mm -hmm. uh all in the name of of liberty and all in the name of uh, freedom and and choice and expression there's there's so many people out there i i think i would i would just say this since we've all kind of become reacquainted in the last few days here um since we kind of put this together i've had a taste of following your social media a little Mm bit and i'm it blows me away that you guys deal with this every day, but the amount of people that just argue over things that have already been decided and mm-hmm. already been proven otherwise just blows me away. The amount of people that, like, I don't know, today I was reading on social media um, on uh, Dana's page, uh, some guy was, was saying, uh, uh, you guys give us a bad name. You guys give us a bad name for marijuana reform. And all I can think in my head is like, who's us when that? You realize it's we, right? And you realize that you wouldn't have the current rights you have right now if it if wasn't this man himself yeah, for and, many others, yeah. and yeah. many others right and and so because of that that just drives me crazy that there's this public mentality out there that somehow what you guys are doing is wrong. It's it's that Thomas Jefferson quote about uh I'm probably going to butcher this. I even wrote it down. And I have nowhere near me right now, so I'm not going to grab it, but you guys probably help me out. But, uh, dissent, uh, when, uh, Jesus, I just read this. If I, if I just butcher this, it'll be so shit. The one about you need to like water the tree of Liberty with the blood of Patriots or something. Was that the one? Or? I think that was, uh, was a little, that little violent for my taste <laughs> for, you know, yeah. uh, the, the no, game that we're at. Yeah. Okay. So he said, if a law is unjust, 
Yes. A man is not only right to disobey it, it's he is obligated yeah. and morally obligated to do so. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I, I think, uh, obviously, that rings so true with myself. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we are talking off air about how some people, when faced with adversity, especially unjust adversity, uh, they just kind of clam up and they let other people do the fighting and, and things like that. Um, I think people out there should really take the stand like uh, some of the examples we've talked about today have been and really do so because it's very important that the culture within Canada is protected for what it is, which has always been um, equality and and freedom of man. Mm -hmm. And we really are um, the last bastion of that in some regards. You know, there are, this is our last defense against tyranny. We actually, we are living in fascist Canada and it's scary. It's very odd. To be honest, Leo, um, it is one of those things where I want to let people know that when it comes to activism, okay, it doesn't have to be that you're going out there and getting beaten up by the cops. Okay. No, there is so many different things. Just being willing to talk about it, just being willing to educate yourself makes yourself one of the best forms of activists there is why because you're willing to discern what the actual truth is and if you're willing to follow the fundamental principles of justice you know natural law etc etc common law right uh know your rights you can step above this maritime law that's been placed upon us and treating us like slaves Mm -hmm. and these are very simple concepts you don't have to know it all but just knowing that yeah it's a consent-based legal system you know you do have rights and as long as you don't allow people to bully you um you're doing pretty good beyond that uh, things will grow naturally uh i know it took me a long time to really wrap my head around a lot of things like yes you know some people that are raised in uh the culture yeah they're kind of aware of some things but you know it took me about a good solid 10 years before i could really just understand the full scope of things and as something came in i understood which direction it needed to go right and yeah so that doesn't happen overnight but as long as you're willing to you know respect other people's rights and uh you know uh do your research that's all we can ask of you right now because you know it it, it comes down to uh, a public knowledge thing now Mm -hmm. but there's as I say, there's no question that the war on marijuana and the greater war on drugs is one of the big social issues of our time, and it's really mm-hmm. descended from a lot of other things. This war that we're in now comes out of the racism and discrimination of the 30s, which came out of the, mm-hmm. the earlier racism and the slavery of the 1700s and how things go back, and historically, uh, what we're facing now is really one of the last vestiges of this kind of earlier time when we when we put these kind of laws in place, and you know, we, we've gone past as a society, a lot of our, we're trying to get past a lot of our racial and sexual prejudices and mm-hmm. although there's certainly a lot of discrimination out there our governments aren't the agents of promoting it anymore mm-hmm. our governments now fight against racial discrimination our governments are should be fighting against sexual discrimination yeah. our governments fight against discrimination against gay people but they're still engaged in a massive pogrom against cannabis users and other people who use banned drugs mm-hmm. and so this is a lot one of the great big social issues of our time people often say oh what do you care about marijuana you guys just want to get high you're just a bunch of dopers that want to get high For- and of course, I get it. high whenever I want to. It's not about me wanting to smoke a joint or not any more than the gay rights movement is about some guy wanting to have gay sex or whatever. Right? That's it's right. about yeah. being treated as equal rights. It's about having equal opportunity. It's about not being discriminated against and having our our, our, our families destroyed, being put in jail, having the things that we believe in be uh, you know mocked and taken away from us. Our our love of this beautiful plant cannabis uh, being such a source of contention mm-hmm. is uh, is something that that should be left in the past. 
and we should be able to look back on this as a mistake, like we look back mm-hmm. on other things as a mistake, mm-hmm. and we think we're better than that now. Wow, we well, you know, how we many don't have these families as it going to take. Times. Yeah. We're better yeah. people than they were in the 1800s or the 1900s or earlier times because we don't enslave each other, we don't treat women like property, mm-hmm. we don't, uh, you know, we have equal rights laws. We don't we don't discriminate in these ways. Yeah, and we, I want our kids and grandkids think, to look back. Think of civilized. Yeah, yeah. And I want our kids <laughs> yeah. and grandkids to look back and go, yeah, that war on marijuana was certainly dumb. You know, that war on drugs was a big mistake, and I'm mm-hmm. glad we got rid of that. I'm glad that people fought against that in 2015, so that we don't have to deal with this anymore That's in right. 2050 or whatever it is that our kids and grandkids are talking about. That. That's Let's it get right this there. done. Uh, I'd yeah. rather be on this side of history. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and, and I don't want guys, a fourth generation. Yeah. And when you learn about the history, you see, yeah. How long it's been yeah, going it on for? Me. It's a hundred years of mistakes, and not one single good thing has come out of it. It's not like oh, it's a mixed bag and pro marijuana prohibition had some good and some bad. No, it was all bad. It's like saying mm-hmm. slavery had some good and some bad. No, Jesus. it was all bad. <laughs> well, right? it's like kind of how and the, the Opium Control Act was just bad. an extension of you know how the uh, uh, the pharmaceutical industry just wanted to grab control of uh, the opium and whatnot. Yeah, it was flow, a nexus so. of, of racism and financial mm-hmm. interest yeah. and industrial interest and the movement against hemp. Protection. as an agricultural yeah. crop and a lot of these things came together in the 30s and put these laws in place that we are now you know 80 years later still struggling to get out of one thing that I actually really appreciate from my fiance wife um, was that we were listening to Steppenwolf actually on the way back from the Great Canadian Glass Gathering oh, right yeah. and she was like holy shit how long has it been since this album was created and those songs are as relevant today as they are then yeah right and i'm like yeah it's been about 60 years when you think about it and it's like to think that we're still having to fight these stupid fucking wars man it's like you can swear on the show oh i know but it's just like no it's just the the personal restraint of just showing the respect to the situation it's just like i'm sorry man yeah i want to blow see that i want to blow my top i really do that's perfect but how calm you are even about that that, that's how you are like yeah blowing the situation up right now is gonna be nothing but inflammatory like i said i don't want this to turn into the ukraine where one simple protest turns into the thing that sends the entire place into a shitter there's a reason why they tried to uh or they have implemented bill c51 i'm sure there's been plenty of tampering within the community you know and within you know media etc etc to keep people scared and it's like the thing that i love about vancouver is yes it can be a really fucking scary place right but there are a lot of really good people here and the only reason why it's a really fucking scary place is because people have been forced to live in inhumane conditions that yeah nobody should have to put up with so to be honest for how bad things have been and could be here we have some really amazing people and you know uh i wouldn't call myself necessarily a faith-based man right i believe in a lot of you know faiths they have a lot of truth in their books right but my true faith is in the human being why because it takes so much to be honest to train us to hate one another mm-hmm. right and it takes a lifetime of doing that you're not born doing that you have to ta- you have to be taught to do that you know and i love uh dr gabor Maté's work uh on explaining how poverty really does affect you know the developing child right. and the developing mind versus you know something like cannabinoids where a child's first dose of cannabinoids is actually through be- breast milk an endocannabinoid yeah yeah so you know 
if anybody's been listening long enough, they can tell that this is an absolute farce. Uh, those that understand the spiritual aspect, the medicinal aspect, you know, like just so many uh, aspects of it just make this say, like, why are we wasting tax dollars? You know, uh, our good friend Don Breer would say that this is a criminal misuse of uh, public funds, and it absolutely is. Yeah, so, I agree with, with that. what happened with Neil, I don't care what the law is right it was unlawful what they did because it was a crime against all of us what's happening so we are not criminals in any form we have followed the fundamental principles of justice we have shown so-called peace officers as they were acting as such or identifying themselves as such that we did not actually cause a breach of peace they in fact caused the breach they of definitely peace. yeah they're definitely and the one thing that i had said uh, on film while uh, while at the uh, the rally there is that my goal by the time i'm dead is for the vpd to stand for vancouver peace department because they should be acting as peace officers respecting the citizens as such and there should never be the argument of who's the executor who's the servant here we should all be looking out from one another just because you know what we're all family right well said well said i like that and you know what that that speaks obviously very much to many of the points we were making earlier tonight and uh i i know that uh the next uh, little while here is going to be very revealing for the for how the future is going to be uh, mm-hmm. for yourself here bert and uh, uh dan i know lots of things coming up the the federal election as well um in regards to get up there and vote folks yeah, that's right to harper we got about 104 days now or something until the election mm-hmm. and uh, if you're not registered to vote go out there and register to vote yeah. and make sure you vote to defeat the conservatives you know i belong mm-hmm. to the ndp but honestly i just don't want harper to be our next prime minister mm-hmm. that's my main concern because mm-hmm. if he wins again he'll have a four-year mandate he will come to war with what's going on in vancouver mm-hmm. I they're laying agree. off pretty easy right now because they got an election coming up and they don't want to make a lot of trouble in a fight with vancouver but mm-hmm. i tell you if they win the next election they will do everything in their power to attack the dispensary movement and to change the tide the way things are flowing and they're going to have a lot of money and time to do it mm-hmm. if we get harper out of there i don't expect any other politicians to wave their magic wand and do everything we want and implement the cannabis utopia we're looking for but we will be able to lobby and work with either Mulcair or Trudeau. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but it'll be a lot easier. We'll be able to make progress, unlike Harper and his team, which just want to put us all in jail. We'll get something better with the new prime minister, mm-hmm. and we'll be able to legalize it, I think, in Canada within the next couple of years if we get Harper out of there. I couldn't have said that better myself. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Uh, I'd I, like to see the NDP go late in era, to be honest, if, <laughs> if, if they had the stones. If yeah. people want to follow, uh, uh, follow you, Dana, how do they follow you online? Well, I'm on Facebook a lot, uh, and you can just find me there, but uh, really sensiblebc.ca is our group. If you want to help us make some changes in the upcoming election and stay in touch with what we're doing, go to sensiblebc.ca, and they're on Facebook as well. And I mentioned uh, greenbudsandhash.com, and if you go there, you can. that's also my personal website. It links up to you, so you can see what I'm doing if you want to uh, find out what I'm up to. And uh, those are the main places to go, I guess, uh, sensiblebc and greenbudsandhash. Uh, what was that cream website? Oh, and mjcreams.ca as well. Yeah, thanks. I knew there was another plug I wanted to make. And that's that's a great product. And I strongly encourage people to try out some free samples and see how it works for them. Absolutely. And, uh, Bert, are you keeping a low-key online nowadays or what's going on? Uh, Well, yeah, uh, in the the process of uh, rebuilding after uh, having the studio collapse, et cetera, et cetera, and dealing with a workplace injury right now. So things have been kind of low-key on the business front. But uh, in the future, I'm sure that, 
that you know things will pick up again but uh yeah for right now i would just like to throw a big shout out to neil magnuson uh cameron mcdonald david malma levine uh pastor robin for you know uh doing what he can uh could to help us uh eric your awesome brother and just anybody else in the community who just came out to support and just cannabis stand culture. up for your rights yeah. yeah cannabis culture absolutely everybody you know thank you so much you know because uh you know it takes us all you know uh to to make this happen so you know i, I could spend four hours thanking everybody right but uh just keep doing what you're doing because right now uh it's bad optics for uh for the bad guys as it were you know within government or police that seem to think that we're a problem but um anybody within law enforcement or military yeah, yeah. that uh seem to think that you know drugs are bad okay uh have a look at leap.cc uh these are current and ex uh, law enforcement that uh have have been through the grinder with the drug war. Uh, these are the the leading uh, individuals that have said, you know, the whole thing's a freaking sham. That's law enforcement against prohibition. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's a great and organization. Awesome right. organization. Yeah. And um, to be honest, they add so much legis- legitimacy, even just from the legal aspect, from those that got into law enforcement or military seeming to think that, okay, they're going to stand up for their uh, neighborhoods by, you know, beating up all these junkies or, uh, or drug dealers. And turns out, that a lot of these people are just trying to survive so um yeah they've they've made it very clear that the the drug war is a a very failed policy and it's time to regulate you know reasonably uh places like portugal have taken steps like this to uh, decriminalize or properly regulate uh all substances yeah yeah and it's like the the world is finally starting to get there uh big props to the 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 ex-president of uh, uruguay too uh that is a man that i would love to hug uh you know you love when the man stands up at a a a u.s conference on drugs and cannabis and he says stop lying stop lying stop lying and you give him a hug but not a hug power technique oh you know, no no <laughs> gen- genuine you know like brother i love you because yeah you know the, the man's even just looking at a sensible policy like okay home sales yeah. he understands that you know that can be a, a proper safe economy as long as a person is properly set up in their home right don't be dangerous about it you know and if you're going larger well then at that point have a storefront or you know blah 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 and and, you know i think they were aiming to uh, cap it at a dollar a gram 50 cents a gram for uh, wholesale right so you know the the reasonable ideals are out there it's just hopefully they can stay away from the monsanto pot and all that sort of garbage because (laughs) you know uh, as simple as it may seem from the outside for uh the uh initial either activist or a person just looking at it it runs deep you know all the same problems that you're dealing with your food your medicines and all that sort of stuff it's happening in the cannabis world too so you know cultivation yeah well like anything you have to pay attention what's going on and you can't know everything so at least hold yourself uh accountable uh listen you know learn and we we have a lot to to bring back because we've had successful policies in the past when it came to cannabis regulation right uh i don't think we can't uh replicate that you know uh, we we can go back in the history books. We can go to the old recipe books. You know all these different things, and it's been around for so long. Yeah, it's been around for so yeah. long. <laughs> well, you know what? I really appreciate you guys coming down and giving me some time today. Uh, awesome. I know to be everyone here. listening you. right now is is definitely really appreciative of this because mm-hmm. um, we're we're kind of all victims of sound bites uh and and no doubt <laughs> especially it's nice in the last week right no yeah. doubt it's nice to get you know a, a full conversation out because 
so many people get compartmentalized with their uh, stories or their subjects that they can't put the puzzle together. That's right. Right. And, and yeah, you lay out a couple of the tools in front of uh, a person. Naturally, after a while, they're going to recognize what works. You know, yeah, totally, uh, yeah. yeah uh, for myself, you know, when it comes to politics, I'm more Green Party individual for the ideals. I understand that they don't necessarily have the power to be effective in Parliament. <laughs> shots for, fired right here in the no, room. No, with not, the NDP. Not, not shot fired at all. <laughs> oh, I don't no, no, that at all. No, no, no. Uh, for myself, I'm instigating. I'm, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'm more uh, understanding that it's an idea thing, right? So uh, good for Elizabeth May to, you know, have the ovaries to bring these policies out, but it's on uh, other party leaders, right, to actually sing the same song. That's right. right? And it's on the yeah. people to demand that of their leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, for myself, I look at people who, you know, are disenfranchised with voting, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And to me, that's the biggest worry because Stephen Harper got in on the empathy aspect, right? Mm-hmm. People did not get out and vote. So he got in on such a small amount of votes that this is disgusting how he's able to destroy the country, right? Mm-hmm. So for those that really don't have faith in the system, right? Um, for those that, you know, would like to vote green and, you know, say they're not going to get enough votes, say like myself, I'd love to vote twice, but it's illegal. I would like to do a social experiment of for those uh, that don't believe in voting, can you vote for some of us for the Green Party? Give them a little bit of uh, oomph because that way, yeah, they may not get the seats or whatever needed in time for this vote. But guess what? Those ideals, they spread like wildfire. And right now our country is burning, right? Enough of the smoke show, enough of the bullshit, right? We need the stuff that's going to anchor our country, right? So for those that are disenfranchised and think that voting doesn't matter, do me a favor. Just vote green, right? It probably won't really affect things too much, but hopefully it will get their subject matter into the public debates because they keep denying Elizabeth May the opportunity to talk about things like the Bank of Canada Act in 1934, which Mr. Trudeau should be. I hope be well versed in his own family's his, uh, heritage and whatnot because uh, his father was the one who. Yeah. Uh, re- yeah. Uh, so it's like. Uh, uh, I, I see Mr. Trudeau talk about cannabis legalization. I, I doubt he would actually run that train. Otherwise, he'd go a lot, hell of a lot harder. Yeah. But it's still on those uh, voters who believe in that party mm-hmm. to hold him to the to hold him to the fire, man. You know, make him do it. Okay, because like I said, uh, government is a vehicle. We have to have the wheel. We have to know when to make the turns and be paying attention. So if you don't like the policies that your party is uh, is spewing right now, we have a very short amount of time to change that. Please get involved. Have a registered letter party, you know. Get six, eight, ten of your friends together. Have a pre-made up uh, registered letter of what you want to say about uh, whatever issue that matters to you. You all sign it. You all put it in the envelope. You take it to the uh, to the post office, send it via registered mail, and then you go home. You have your bottle of wine. You hit your bong. Doesn't matter. You enjoy yourself and you celebrate, knowing that you actually made a difference in society, right? And at this point, tell everybody to get involved, please. You know, not everybody's going to know everything at once, but as long as you're involved and you vote it's not going to be easy for them to screw the vote for yeah. us. So just get involved. Any any parting words, Dana? 
You like get to, out there and vote. Absolutely, yeah, get involved. Yeah, you can make a involved. difference. And absolutely, even five minutes a day or an hour a week can have a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Not every activist needs to be on the front lines, but writing mm-hmm. letters to the paper, making a meeting with your MP, talking to a prohibitionist to educate them—all uh, those things are very important. And uh, there's absolutely a lot you can do. But try to make it your mission to do something every day or once a week mm-hmm. to do something to help end the war on cannabis. You'll be yeah. surprised at the impact you can have. Yeah, Sounds we're good. All human. We're all, all right. Human. Uh, thanks a lot, guys for coming on down say goodbye to these people it's been a lot of fun thanks take care goodbye love you